0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God.
1: And the saints all with gladness are singing, the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed.
0: In April of 2022, the Manasseh Community Baptist Church of Blaine, Pennsylvania, hosted our King James Bible Conference. Pastor John Asquith, who's the pastor of the Black Creek Baptist Church in Black Creek, New York, was our guest speaker for three nights of conference. We've taken these messages and we've broken them into 15 podcasts. So that'll be three weeks, approximately 15 minutes per day, of King James Bible instruction and teaching. And Brother John deals with the history of the King James Bible. He deals with the authority of the King James Bible. And then lastly, he deals most of all, most importantly of all, I should say, He deals with what the King James Bible can do for you. And so I pray these messages are a help. I pray they're a blessing to each of you as you listen to the conference.
1: Years ago, a man by the name of Walter Martin wrote a book called uh, The Kingdom of the Cults. Partly good book, partly nonsense book, but he talks about how the United States government and banks began to teach bank tellers how to find counterfeit money. They used to bring all these bank tellers together and show them counterfeit bills in clever ways they were counterfeited and everything, and when they got done, they still had trouble finding counterfeit bills. So instead, now when they train people to find counterfeit bills, they never show them a counterfeit bill. During all their lectures, they're constantly handling real money. And they're showing them everything about real money. And they hold it. They vote it. They put it up to the light. They're showing all this stuff. That's all they ever see. And when you put a counterfeit in their hand, bam, they see it just like that. Just like that. But when you start showing them all the counterfeit ones and trying to show it, they're just confused. So what I want to do tonight, I want to concentrate more on the true stream of Bibles, where they come from, how they got there, okay? Okay? So that when you see a counterfeit one, you begin to understand, ah, that's a counterfeit Bible. Because the counterfeit Bibles are slowly taking over the Word of God. About the same time that socialism is taking over the United States, okay? About the same time that young people are being turned over to sodomy. About all these things. Who's behind all that? The devil's behind all that. So what's he going to do? He's going to mess with the Bible. He doesn't want anyone to know what God really said. Okay? He wants to put confusion into people's minds because the Bible is God's Word and it's the most precious thing that God has. Turn with me to Psalm 138. Psalm thirty-eight, 138. Look at verse 1. Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What's more important, God's name or his word? Well, let me tell you something. If your word's no good, your name's no good. Okay. Hey? Well, we're gonna, I'm going to get Zach Vernon to co-sign for me, but his word's no good. All right? It's no good. I'd never say that about Zach Vernon. His word is good, okay? But what an insult to say that about somebody, that his word is not good, that his word isn't perfect. That's an insult, okay? Jesus Christ promised heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, W-O-R-D-S, shall never pass away. We saw last night where in the Hebrew Bible, it had said, This is my covenant, Isaiah 59, 21, where thee saith the Lord, that the words that I put into thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, for henceforth and forever saith the Lord. They'll never pass away. And then the Apostle Paul said, What advantage then hath the Jew? Much every way, because unto them is committed okay, the oracles of God. Okay. One of the ways you know the new Bibles are phony is they don't even use the Jewish Bible. The one God told you. It, Apostle Paul said, hey, hint, 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 use the Jewish Bible. And they didn't use it. You know? And, and again, they go back and say, well, we found one that's older. That's right. And the Apostle Paul said way back in his day, people were corrupting the Word of God. Okay? So again, how do we know which one is the right Bible? How do we know I'm going to give you some history here. You know, for example, we've got some of the good Amish brethren with us tonight. I myself was trained as an Anabaptist. Okay? I was not trained in Baptist churches. I was trained in an Anabaptist church. And the Anabaptists were a group of people who really, way back in the year, oh, around 300, the Emperor Constantine changed his religion from pagan to Christianity. But what he really ended up doing was converting Christianity to paganism. Right. What do you mean by that? Well, they just took all the old Roman temples and gave them new names. So for example, you have ISIS and Osiris and you've got uh, one of the oldest uh, themes amongst the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, and everything else. Was a virgin goddess who had a child, and she had that child. So, all they did is take her temples and change the name to Mary, okay? And told everybody, This is it now. In fact, if you go there, you can go to Rome and find that those were old temples to a virgin and a child suddenly changed the name, okay? There's a tremendous book out there written called Hislops, the two Babylons, and showing you that all that Constantine did was take the old Babylonian religion and change the names into Christianity. Well, there were a lot of people who said, we're not going to go along with that. They had many names. They were called the Cathari, which just means the pure, similar to the word Puritan, okay? Okay. Uh, Belogamites, people in, in, uh, who lived in what we call the Balkans today, Serbia, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, that area. Uh, there were another group called the Waldensians who lived in northern Italy. And they had to live in mountainous places where the troops couldn't get in and kill them all. For an example, one of those groups was called the Albigensians. They lived between France and Spain along the coast in the Albi region. One of the first crusades in the year 1300 didn't go against the Muslims, it went and killed all of them. Why? Because the Pope wants everybody to believe that they were the first. So they killed everybody that was before. It's like a Chinese emperor who killed all the scholars because he wanted everyone to believe that writing started with him. And that's a true story. So what the Volks did is they decided to kill all the Christians that didn't agree with them. and then say, see, we're first. We're the only ones here. But God has always preserved those people. So much so, for example, uh, uh, there's a tremendous book called The Reformation and Her Stepchildren. A guy, uh, by a guy by the name of Verdun. And he says this. He said, if you'd lived during the Middle Ages... It would have been almost impossible for you to have lived your own whole life and not run into one of these people and had them witness to you. That's how how much they were out there. There's a tremendous book written by a woman by the name of Margaret Beansley. She wrote it in 1920. But it's called the Lollard Bible. Lollard was one of the names for these people. And here's what she explains. First of all, imagine... Just think, just the making of paper. Imagine what it takes to make this paper. Anybody here could make paper? Okay, probably the best any of us could do is take some birch bark or whatever else and squash it down and work it a while and write with it. So just the making of paper in those days would have been so expensive and so rare. Then finding people who could read was an extremely rare thing. Amongst the Jews, almost everybody was literate. But amongst everyone else, very few people could read. When they could read, the only language they could read was Latin, because all books were written in Latin. So you might have your own language. You Amish would understand this. You have your own language, but yet most of your reading books are in English, okay? Back in those days, people, no matter what language you had, if you wanted to read something, you had to read it in Latin, okay? because things were just weren't written in your language. English is one of the few languages, the old Anglo-Saxon that had four or five uh, Beowulf and a few different things written in its own language, Uh, but even that was extremely rare. So what a man would do is he might have part of a chapter of a gospel translated into a language that probably doesn't exist today, old Walloon, some of the old German languages, some of the old uh, you know, romantic languages, things of that sort, and he would have part of that gospel. And if he's caught with it, he's going to be burned at the stake. And he would go from house to house, and he would go into that house, and he would read to people words in their own language. I have read the court documents of people arrested for doing it. Here's what it would say. And a man did come into our house. And the man did read to us from the Gospels. And I knew that this was wicked, and I have come and told my lords. In other words, that was considered very wicked. To take that little bit of Bible and go into that house, that hut, and read that to people. I have read the testimonies of women burned at the stake in, in Scotland. Because they invited their neighbor to a Bible study. Normally, in those days, before you ever dared to even witness to somebody, you waited a long time. Now, I'm not proud of this, but, you know, some of us used to smoke dope, all right? Used to live different than what we should have. And you know what? You always had to make sure you could trust people. All right, you know, they're going to narc on me. They're going to tell on me. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. I'm not proud of that, but that's how we lived, okay? Back in those days, you had to worry. What if my neighbor knows that I have a little bit of scripture in my own language? Because your neighbor, if they go tell the priest, you're going to burn at the stake. But the only way your neighbor can ever be saved is if you witness to that neighbor and show them the goodness of Jesus Christ. And so they had to be so careful about talking to that person. And I have read the court cases of people where their neighbor turned them in. Okay, You're going you're gonna to burn up the stake for what you just did. So in those days, just having a little portion of a scripture, just a little portion of maybe one chapter of Luke, one chapter of Matthew, one chapter of Mark, just this little portion of it, on a piece of paper, and paper was so rare, Then just somebody who had the understanding to read it probably from the Latin Bible and then wrote it in your language. This is all you had. Now let me give you a rule with God. God is jealous for His Word. God knows that men make mistakes. When men have done the best they could trying to honor God with a Bible, God honors and the Holy Ghost bears witness to what they've done. When God thinks that men are trying to be smarter than him, he does not bear witness to it. It's a grief to him. Now imagine that I wrote a letter. Imagine you wrote a letter. Let's say that you were wrongfully put in jail. And I've heard about people, absolutely honest people, who never got in trouble at all before, and some horrible mix-up came up, and they're sitting in jail. There's stories, there's books written about those things. And so you want all your friends to understand your side of this, and you very carefully write it down exactly what happened. And somebody changes it and gives it to some people. Wouldn't that make you angry? Wouldn't it be frustrating to you if people are are believing that other one, not the one you wrote? Okay. Imagine how the Holy Ghost feels when people purposely do that with the Bible. Okay, It's a grief to him. And yet at the same time, let's say that this was a German concentration camp. You're in a Russian concentration camp. Let's say you're in some place like that. North Korean concentration camp. And you pass this letter and somebody doing the best they can, tries to copy that letter, but it's not exact. It's not a grief to you, is it? So you have to keep in mind that sometimes you'll find an old language, the old Walloon, the old Dutch, the old German, some of these older languages that go back six, seven hundred years. For example, Gothic, which is an early German language from the year 400. There was a Bible in Gothic. And it's one of the witnesses to you know that we know about what the early Bibles were like. Is it perfect? No, but it's the best they could do with men who hazarded their lives to write it down. Okay, and you can be sure that it blessed God's soul that they did the best they could. There's a lost soul who started the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. He cries for forgiveness and mercy. God
0: is You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, And remember to look up for there your was redemption, call it where,
1: where there only was stride. now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.